Welcome to Healthy by Choice, a broadcast designed to bring powerful healing into your life today. Gaining and maintaining optimum health is possible at any age. That's what thousands are learning at CHIP, the complete health improvement program offered across the country and around the world. You can learn more at chiphealth.com. But now, get ready to enjoy some proven results and priceless benefits. I'm your Healthy by Choice host, Charles Mills. Over 60 years ago, a medical school professor by the name of Dr. Picard, while performing autopsies in Europe, made a startling discovery. Look, he said to the medical students crowded about the examining table. They're coming back. They're coming back. Professor Picard was famous, an icon of that time, and his words carried enormous weight. What was coming back? What did Professor Picard see inside the people who had just years before survived World War II? Our guest today was there, a pathologist in training and a contemporary of Dr. Picard. He's here with us today to explain what was coming back and how this discovery led to one of the most important health studies this world has ever seen. Dr. William Castelli became the third director of the now-famous Framingham Heart Study in 1979, having served there since 1965. He's semi-retired now, but still enjoys spreading the gospel of how each one of us can reduce our risk for heart disease, and it all began with a professor saying his famous phrase, they're coming back. Dr. Castelli, welcome to Healthy by Choice. Thank you. First of all, I'd like for you to share your connection with the CHIP program throughout the years. Dr. Hans Deal says that you've been an important part of its success. Well, it goes way back. I've been, uh, because of our findings in the Framingham study, you know, it is thanks to the people of Framingham. We never treated them, and in 1968, the study began, and um, we took eventually half the people living in Framingham, measured numbers on their bodies, followed them, and they taught us the numbers that you could measure on a healthy person that would predict that they were going to go on and get a heart attack. And those numbers became known as the risk factors, and you've heard about all of them, cholesterol, blood pressure, cigarettes, obesity, lack of physical activity, and so on. And um, But thanks to those people, you can go into any town in the world, measure a few simple numbers on people's bodies, and identify most of the people who would go on and get a heart attack or a stroke. And better than that, today you could treat those numbers. The best therapy would be diet and exercise, but we've had great difficulty getting Americans to give up the American diet, and it is by far the worst possible diet anywhere in the world you can eat. When you realize that of all the food that will disappear on the earth today, about 40% of it will disappear in America eaten by 7% of the people that live on the earth. But we overeat too much, so we have to go to these drug therapies to help out. But the best therapy is actually diet and exercise. But again, getting Americans to give up that diet for more than about three months. (laughs) And they all have the same excuse of what happened. Oh, doctor, there were four reunions, three birthdays. Oh, and we took that trip in the Caribbean (laughs) on those ships. You know, you can eat 24 hours a day on those ships. You say, really? How did you know that? (laughs) But, uh, you know, we... uh, 
have the ability now to shrink the deposits in everybody's arteries. And um, that's what I learned uh, with Dr. Picard at uh, Louvain in those days. We said, if they're coming back, where did they go? And he told us that they disappeared by, he said, I don't know where they went, but they disappeared by 1942. Now, what are we talking about? What is it that disappeared and what came back? The fat deposits in the arteries of the people of Belgium. And what happened in the early 40s? An army came into Belgium. Now, right behind that army came the German trucks. They backed them up to all the farms in Belgium, took all the meat and livestock back to Germany, and by 1942 in Belgium at autopsy, all the atherosclerosis had disappeared. And it was gone until the 50s when it came back. So I have recently proposed to bring the German army into America with their trucks. <laughs> We're going to back them up to our farms. We're going to take all that meat and livestock down to Africa there where these poor kids are starving. Oh and three years out, we'd all have clean arteries again in America, and we could start over. Now, you know, this is a real mystery here because I have been told over and over again, and I'm sure that you have heard doctors say this, that it is stress that brings about heart disease, that if you are too worried, if you are having problems at work or in your home, or if you're having personal issues and you have all this stress, you're going to develop heart disease because of the stress. And then I think back at this story, what you're telling us right now, World War II in Belgium, Talk about stress, Dr. Castelli. These people were stressful, and the same things were happening in the, in the camps. Am I right here? Oh, absolutely. And, you know, I was asked by a professor in Rotterdam one time, would I review a thesis of one of his students? And I agreed. And the thesis was on the number of people in the history of Rotterdam, Holland, that lived to be over 100 years of age. And the critical measure, if you think about it, was birth date. But the birth dates are very valid in Europe because they're registered in the town hall when you're born, not in a hospital like in America. And the number of people who lived to be over 100 in the history of Rotterdam didn't change until shortly after World War II. When, of course, the Germans had backed up trucks to all the farms in Holland and took all the meat and livestock back to Germany, and you talk about stress, there was tremendous stress on those people. But the number of people who made it to 100 went way up after World War II and came back down again. So if you didn't starve to death in Rotterdam in World War II, it prolonged your life to go on that diet. And when you say that diet, they took all the animals away, they took all the chickens away. What was left? What did these people eat during the war? Vegetables, yeah. yeah and, the, and, you know, and the German army would come in and rob their vegetables, yes, too. Yes, yes. <laughs> they were at the mercy of the German troops. And also, in the, in the Holocaust camps, in, the, in those camps, uh, after the camps were over, and you probably were part of this and researching this, the arteries were clear in people that had been through the camps. This is the most stressful thing in the world. And out they come, full of stress and absolutely clean of atherosclerosis. Yeah, 
that's right. Everywhere that these people were in World Two, whether they were in a camp or even in town, <sighs> they lost their atherosclerosis. Okay, so here's Dr. Picard, and he is examining autopsies here. You're there, the students are there, you're looking at here, and he says they are coming back. What was it that was also coming back simultaneously with the plaque buildup in arteries? Well, the heart attack rates and the stroke rates were coming back. Mm -hmm. Because you have to start shutting down your arteries. I mean, you live in a country now where the bulk of the, uh, well, 80-some-odd percent of the people in America Mm -hmm. have at least one of these deposits of fat in their arteries. Mm -hmm. There are very few places in the world where people can overeat like the people in America. It's pretty hard to overeat on broccoli and potatoes and corn, am I right? Well, you could try it, but it wouldn't ba- <laughs> probably bother your arteries very much. probably wouldn't either. bother your arteries. You might get full, but you wouldn't, your arteries wouldn't get full. Let's put it that way. Okay, so here we have indicators. As, as the meat came back, as the, as the cheese came back, as the dairy came back, so did the plaque buildup in the arteries. That's what changed. The stress went down, the meat consumption and the dairy consumption went up, and the atherosclerosis went up as well. And this, suddenly, Dr. Picard looks at this and he makes a rather interesting jump here. He says, okay, there's got to be a connection here. What did he do with the information that he gathered, looking down at those bodies and, and, and autopsying those bodies and seeing that they're coming back? Well, I don't know that he ever really published this and went on the road like some of us did <laughs> <laughs> later on, way later on. Yes. But uh, that was one of the great discoveries that he showed us when we were just medical students mm-hmm. and teaching us about what happened in Belgium. You explained that during World War II, there was a regression of coronary heart disease in Europe due to the drastic change in diet of the people there. And these people were under extreme stress. You said that, that the, the German Nazis came and with their trucks and backed them up to the farms, took all the, the animals and the meat products and all the dairy away, and left the people there in Belgium with just vegetables to eat. The Germans also took some vegetables too, but they had vegetables. And during those stressful times, if you did not starve to death, you lived longer. That's incredible. After the war, that's incredible. And then after the war, when the diet returned back to what it was pre-war, the death rates and the coronary heart disease rates went back up again to where it was before. From this observation, Framingham was created. Dr. Costelli, describe the study and some of the rather myth-shattering findings that came from that important research. Well, the heart study started by taking uh, about uh, half the people initially that lived in the town of Framingham between the ages of 30 and 60. Mm -hmm. But then we have a second generation and a third generation under study and even elements of the fourth generation. And um, by letting us follow them, we never treated the people in Framingham. We measured numbers on their bodies. Uh, and these were numbers you've all heard about, like the cholesterols and the blood pressures and the blood sugars and the weights and the heights and the physical activity and so on, and the diets that they were on and so on. And um, we had to follow them 10 years after we measured something to find out how all those measurements would turn out producing disease. Mm-hmm. I didn't get there till 1965. I was recruited to go there to separate the total cholesterol into HDL, LDL, 
IDL, VLDL, Kylos, LP little A's, and so on. But we didn't know how those different measures would play out over time. And uh, it took 10 years of follow-up. And our data, of course, went down to Bethesda, Maryland, to the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute. And that's where uh, our major statisticians were because they had all our data. And 10 years later, they came up to Framingham and told us that LDL, which had been picked by our lipid experts back in the 60s as being the only number you had to follow, why they said that was, of course, that if you were in that upper five percentile on the bell-shaped curve of LDL for your age and sex, you had one of the worst genes we know of in medicine, such that you would, in fact, be in a group where, you know, five percent of them after a heart attack had gotten their heart attack by age 30, and 20 percent of them had gotten it by age 40, and half of them by age 50. 85% by the age of 65, because most of them did have that 300 total cholesterol. Right. That was 90 out of 100 in the Framingham study in the first 26 years. In other words, you took all these individuals and you said, okay, let us find out those that die, those that have heart attacks, those that have different things, what is different about them? How do they differ from the people in the study who are not them? Am I on the right track here? Yeah, they differed by many different numbers. Uh-huh. One of the most important players was the uh, level of the different lipids in their blood, HDL, LDL, IDL, triglycerides, all those things. And we found eventually in Framingham that the best predictor was not LDL cholesterol, Mm. that the HDL outpredicted it, but what outpredicted everything was the total cholesterol divided by the HDL ratio. And that has not been used by any of the guideline people at all. Well, now, wait a minute. You say you have discovered something here. You have all these studies going on. You discovered what you just said, and it's not being used. Why isn't it being used? Because all they care about is LDL. And um, they don't know enough about the lipids. The committee that did this, the National Heart, Lung, and Blood Institute Committee, run by a doctor... Grundy from Dallas didn't understand the lipids that well, and the the guy that replaced him from Chicago recently came back now, and all he's talking about uh, the statin therapy for where is your LDL, and the goal of therapy uh, for him in the high intensity uh, is to lower the LDL and nothing else, and. Uh, if all you do is lower LDL, and we've known this for a long time because we had these trials, which were statin trials, yes. and that's all he wants to use is statins. And mm. if you use a weak statin, you lower the heart attack rate uh, 25%. And if you use the best statin, and how much do they lower the heart attack rate? 50%. Mm-hmm. Well, when are you going to get rid of uh, the other 50%? You have to, you had them already on the highest dose of your favorite statin. I think I see what's going on here. They had a hammer called a statin, and they were looking for a nail that they could hammer with that hammer. When, as a matter of fact, there were some screws and some other fasteners involved here, but they had a hammer, and they wanted to find out what they could do with their hammer. Am I on the right track here? Yeah, well, we know what will happen if you use the highest dose of your statin and drive the LDLs down yeah. as well as you can get. Yeah. In fact, when the Brigham boys did a trial uh, where they lowered the LDLs under 70 and got a much better 
fall in the heart attack rate than uh, what the guidelines were calling an LDL under 100, okay? Right, right. And they wanted the guidelines changed to an LDL under 70. But that produced a school of thought in America that if you got the LDL under 70, you wouldn't have to do any, treat them for anything else. And these are people who never read that whole Brigham study <laughs> and got to the last figure in the study yes. where they stratify people. If you had an LDL under 70, mm-hmm. and they would have told you everything is okay now, they didn't look at that data. Because in that data, if your LDL was under 70, but your triglycerides were 150 or higher, you ran a significantly higher heart attack rate than people with an LDL under 70 with the lower triglycerides. So triglycerides count at virtually every level of the LDLs because, after all, 70% of the triglycerides are in what we call the beta VLDL. And the beta VLDL are as atherogenic as LDL, taught to us by old Dr. Joseph Goldstein, in Dallas, who, along with Dr. Brown, had originally taken the cells in people's arteries where the fat deposits begin. Mm -hmm. We call them the macrophages. And we're studying how particles of fat outside a macrophage get inside, and they found these receptors and got the Nobel Prize for one of them in 1985. But Goldstein showed in the early 80s that the beta VLDL went into their macrophages at as fast a rate as their beloved LDL. And so you've got to get rid of those beta VLDL. Okay, now this raises the question here that I know our listeners are saying, okay, doctor, what's that mean for me? Give me some numbers that I can write down on a piece of paper so that when I look at my lipid panel, when I look at my tests, I can know if I'm going to be okay or not. Well, the first number you want to look at is that total HDL ratio, because we learned way back that the ratio, the total cholesterol divided by the HDL in the Framingham study, outpredicted mm. the rise in LDL, because the HDL outpredicts LDL. Triglyceride in women outpredicts LDL, but what outpredicted everything was the total HDL ratio. Now, what should that ratio be? Well, we like to show people this study that was done in Cleveland, where they go in with ultrasound on the end of a catheter so they can see not only the deposits that grow in and block the blood flow, and those are the only ones that the cardiologists see, because they opacify the blood to x-ray and take an x-ray, and they can see anything that pushes that stuff out of the way. But they can't see the deposits in the wall of the artery, or the ones growing out. And they are important because they can rupture. And when they rupture, you see, when they just, when the deposits just grow in and impede the blood flow, you get what we call angina pectoris. But when they rupture these particles, you get a blood clot. And when you get a blood clot, you get a heart attack or what we would call a myocardial infarction. So we need to get those numbers way down to prevent all that stuff. Well, in any event, the Cleveland Clinic went in with ultrasound on the end of the catheter because not only the deposits that grow in, but the ones that stay in the wall and the ones that grow out. And they took, you know, not quite 600 people after a heart attack out there, found the biggest deposit they could find, which would mean it'd be in all three places at the same time in general, 
randomized them to a modest therapy or an aggressive therapy. The modest therapy took that ratio, the best predictor, to 4.2. The average woman in America is 4.5, and the average man is 5. Or a more aggressive therapy, 3.5. And then they wait 18 months. What would those two therapies do to that big deposit they found? Well, if you're at 4.2, 18 months later, the deposit has gotten larger. (laughs) And if you're at 3.5, it starts to shrink. But as we mentioned in the earlier program, I've known for a long time you could shrink all the deposits. When I worked for old Dr. Picard in Louvain (laughs) in the 50s, a pathologist, And when he did an autopsy and showed us that the fat deposits in their arteries were coming back at autopsy, and we said, well, if they're coming back, where did they go? And um, he said, I don't know where they went. They disappeared by 1942. Well, what happened was an army came into Belgium, and then came the German trucks. And they backed them up to all the farms, took all the meat and livestock back to Germany, and by 1942 in Belgium... All the atherosclerosis had disappeared and was gone until the 50s when the recovery took place and they all came back. So we know how to shrink all the deposits, but getting Americans to give up the American diet, which is by far the worst possible diet anywhere in the world, not only is it too high in the saturated fat and cholesterol, side of the story, but it's too high in the refined carbohydrates. White flour, sugar, candy, cookie, cake, ice cream, all those. When you eat those refined carbohydrates, you send your triglycerides shooting up, and 70% of them are in that beta VLDL as atherogenic as LDL, so that is not good. And if I get that stuff out of your diet, I can change the rate of disease in your arteries. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the the take-home message here is no matter what your ratio happens to be, you are going to benefit from eating a diet that is healing to atherosclerosis, that is that helps clean out the arteries, and that's an important message for anybody, no matter what the ratio is. That's right, and basically, what are we talking about in the diet? We're talking about getting away from the bacon and eggs for breakfast and having your oatmeal with soy milk, and you can throw on the blueberries and some other stuff as well. We're here with Dr. William Costelli. He was the Clinical Director of Laboratory Services for the Framingham Heart Study, and he's here to share what he learned and how we can benefit from the data that emerged from that ongoing study. It's incredible. Dr. Costelli also is a great proponent of the whole food plant-based diet, and uh, he's been telling us why that's important and how that brings numbers down and important things that we need to know about our lipid levels whatnot. Dr. Costelli, let's talk about you on the latter part of the program here. Why your great interest, and have you discovered personally what you're talking about works? Well, I uh, inherited, I think, Maybe the wrong genes. Uh, I was named after my grandfather on my mother's side. He was William McNeil, an old Scotsman from Nova Scotia, came down into Maine working for the Canadian Railroad. And my mother grew up in Brownville Junction, a Canadian railroad yard in the middle of Maine. But my grandfather, William McNeil, dropped dead at 37 in 1924. 
And we didn't know why, but then, you know, those McNeils, most of them, my mother died at 65, her twin brother died at 59, her younger brother died at 52. Very few McNeils ever made it through their 60s. Two of them did make it to their 80s. So I had these bad genes, and I got interested in how I could change my risk. So my ratio, which is the best predictor, is actually under 2 now. Wow. And if I, if you just get to... 3.5 in that Cleveland Clinic data, where they go in with ultrasound so they can see all the deposits, right, right. you will start to have your deposits shrinking in your artery. Now, what have you done diet-wise? You, you talk about exercise. Did you also bring that into your area of what you put down your throat? My oatmeal in the morning with uh, soy milk and... Um, you know, you have to be very careful about the beef, pork, lamb, cheese business. Well, now, knowing all of these things and making the change that you're talking about in the diet and the exercise, how has it worked for you personally? Well, I uh, made it now to 82, uh, free of disease. My brother had a heart attack in his 60s. My mother had a heart attack at 65. My father died at 73 from a heart attack. My sister made it to 75, but i beat everybody so far. So you have beat everybody, and you attribute that to the information you have and the application of that information to your life? And you have to stay very physically active. You don't hire people to cut your grass or <laughs> shovel your walk or anything like that. you got to get out there and stay in shape to do that. We don't really work hard enough mm. in uh, America to burn off most of the fat and stuff we eat and the calorie. The portion sizes are really what's out of sight. Yeah. I, uh, my patients, uh, you know, when you tell them what they can eat, they go, oh, you're going to take away everything I love to eat. <laughs> so, no, I'm going to take you to a lovely little restaurant in France, and you're going to go in a small town, and you're going to order up your favorite dish, and the food's going to come. And you're going to look down and go, well, uh, where, where did they, where is it? Uh, oh, there it is. It's this little <laughs> pile of stuff. The piece of meat is tiny. Yeah, yeah. And, of course, after the first bite, you're thankful because you had to chew and chew and chew and chew and chew and chew. <laughs> the meat's a lot tougher in France. Yeah. They don't fatten it up. Yeah. But then you'd be skinny like mm. most of the French. I mean, America, my goodness, the weights have just gone up enormously. Well, in closing, Dr. Castelli, I've enjoyed talking with you on this program. In closing, give us, give us some motivation. Give us some words of wisdom here that my listeners can take with them today and begin to reverse the problems that they're having, especially their heart disease. What can they do? And their obesity. What can they do? Well, you've got to get out and walk or do something for an hour a day. Mm-hmm. You've got to start eating smaller portions and get to better kinds of food like the oatmeals and the breakfast and the free of fat. And the same with your lunch. You know, get your diet straightened out, but portion size has got to be smaller. And then if your numbers aren't, if that ratio you make, the total divided by the HDL, is 4.2 or higher and you're not making it on the diet and exercise, you're going to have to go on those drugs to get it down. Mm -hmm. 
And we could get rid of most of the heart attacks in America someday if we did that. Well, that is a fantastic way to end the program. Dr. William Costelli, he is semi-retired now, but uh, he was part of the Framingham Heart Study, an incredible study, an important study that we are learning from even to this day. Dr. Costelli, thank you so much for taking time to be with us today and sharing your words of wisdom. We appreciate it. Thank you so much. Okay, you're welcome. And listener, until next time, this is Charles Mills along with Dr. William Costelli inviting you to be healthy by choice. Goodbye, everyone. If you'd like more information about Healthy by Choice, call Three Angels Broadcasting Network at 618-627-4651. You can also email us through our website at 3abn.org. 